Welcome to An Epiphany with Tiffany. My name is Tiffany, and this week we're going to discuss a topic that I believe will be relevant to many of you. If not currently, it was at some point in your life. The topic is singleness, more specifically myths about singleness. And there are four of them that I wanted to discuss. Number one is being single is just a stepping stone to marriage. Number two, you will finally meet the person of your dreams when you become totally content in your relationship with God. Number three, you should only date the person that you're going to marry. Number four, my life will finally begin when I meet someone or get married. So how many of you have heard one of those or all of those from a well-meaning person? I definitely have. And while these people mean well, the problem is that these myths aren't helpful. So I was doing a Bible plan recently on Vision that talked about these myths. The title of the plan was Singleness Shouldn't Suck. It's a lot of S's. <laughs> Singleness shouldn't suck. If you want to, definitely go check it out. Anyway, as I was reading through this plan, an epiphany struck. So this episode is going to be all about these myths and how they've played a role in my life personally and how I'm definitely trying to overcome them. So again, myth number one is being single is just a stepping stone to marriage. This is a myth because not everyone will get married. The Bible talks about how some people are called to being single. Furthermore, let's take the story of Adam and Eve. God says that Adam should not be alone, but before God creates Eve, he actually gives Adam a task or he gives him a job. God had Adam name all of the animals in Genesis 2, 19 and 20. After this job was done and a partner was not found, God caused Adam to sleep and then created Eve out of Adam. If you know your Bible, you know the story. But I feel like the point needs to be made that our season of singleness is present for a reason. God is preparing us for the things that we have no idea about. We need to use our time of singleness to grow into a better relationship with God and to others. This actually leads into the second myth. Myth number two, you will finally meet the person of your dreams when you become totally content in your relationship with God. Y'all, that is a straight up lie. Let's be honest, we are human and there is no way that we will ever be truly content. Now, we can have moments where we are content with where we are, but here's the truth. If we are constant, consistently growing in our relationship with God, we are going to be wanting more and more. Hear me out. The closer to God's will for your life we get, the more we crave his presence. Meaning we aren't staying stagnant. We are pushing toward the kingdom. But Tiffany, what about Paul talking about being content in Philippians 4? Well, thank you for asking that question. According to my study Bible, the word um, content used in Philippians 4.11 is a Greek word for self-sufficient. But Paul goes on to say that he finds strength in Christ. He isn't relying on himself. So here's the issue with a statement like that. It can really play into insecurities and be a stepping stone for temptation for the enemy. Story time! 
So <laughs> I've actually heard this statement for years, you know, that you're going to be content or once you're content, you'll find her someone. And every time I do, I sit and think, well, I'm not being a good enough Christian. And that's why God hasn't brought me my guy yet. Then I go into this spiral that ends one of two ways. The first option is that I get so down on myself that I completely stop reading my Bible. I don't pray at all. I basically turn into this stubborn child thinking, well, fine, you aren't going to give me the desires of my heart anyway, God. So why am I going to do your will? I know, insert cringe face here. Ugh. The second option is that I make God a checklist item. It's the fake it till you make it mentality, which is harmful in itself. Alas, that is a topic for another episode. I put my relationship with God on my to-do list. Now, relationships do take work, but here's the thing. Most of us don't struggle to reach out to a friend or to make time to talk to somebody. Now, I might say to myself, oh, I need to text this person or that person to check in on them, but I definitely don't make it a to-do list item. Here's the big kicker. When I make God a checklist item, that time with him doesn't feel genuine. It actually feels like I'm just using God to get what I want. Again, cringe. But here's the truth. Finding contentment in Christ is a lifelong journey and isn't a full-fledged requirement to find a spouse. Philippians also talks about how we should be confident because he who began a good work in us will carry it to, to completion until the day of Christ, which is chapter 1, verse 6. It's our human nature to not be content, but if we are pursuing God's glory, things will fall into place regardless of our level of contentment at the time. Myth 3. You should only date the person that you're going to marry. Hold on. Did I just say that? Why, yes. Yes, I did. I know when I read this one, I had a reaction to it too. But here's the nitty gritty. God brings people into our lives to teach us things about ourselves and about others. Now, in no way am I saying to go out and date everyone you find. That is not smart, and if you're a girl, it can be even more risky. Ladies, we tend to give our heart a little more quickly than guys. I'm not saying that guys nev are never heartbroken, but we ladies are more emotionally inclined and this leads us to being more likely to lose pieces of ourselves. Well then Tiff, what are you saying that we should do? First off, pray. Second, don't be afraid to step out and say, hey, I think you're cool. Would you be interested in getting to know each other better to see where this could lead? Dating in today's culture gets a bad rep. But you can date somebody without all the physical stuff. Communication is huge. In big bold letters, guys, huge. Let's think about it this way. How are you really going to discover what you need in a relationship if you aren't out there developing friendships? If done correctly, the ending of a dating relationship does not have to be tragic or trauma-inducing. With open communication, prayer, and strong godly examples in your life, you can date responsibly. If you come to the conclusion that that person's just not for you, then communicate that. Yes, there still might be some hurt feelings, but if glorifying God is the goal of both parties, then the proper foundation is already in place. 
Sometimes relationships happen because we needed to learn something from that other person. Other times, that person was a complete distraction, but you still can learn a lesson from them. The problem is that no one knows how to communicate. Again, that's definitely a topic for another episode. Alright, on to myth number four. My life will finally begin when I meet someone or get married. This one definitely stings. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but I hear this one in my head sometimes daily. And you know what? It's another lie straight from the mouth of the devil. Why? Because it often has us focused on envy, jealousy, and coveting what others have. You know, that pesky 10th commandment? Also, this type of thinking, again, ignores the job we have as individuals who are in a time of singleness. We become hyper-focused on how much our life is incomplete because we don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. We don't have a spouse. We don't have children. Now, let me be completely honest. Every birthday since I was 25, I've actually cried. It's like clockwork. At some point on my birthday, the thoughts will start. I'll think things like, here's to another year where you're going to be the single one. To another year not being a mother. To another year of not feeling good enough. I cry and I let all of these feelings out. Sometimes I've gone to God in prayer asking for strength just to keep going on that day. Other times I've come to God in anger and asked why he was keeping me from being a mother when he knows how much my heart actually aches to be a mom. As I was writing out the bullet points for this episode, when I wrote that last part, I actually started crying. It's a heavy thing to admit. But something I know is that the enemy uses these things that we keep secret. And I don't want it to be secret that I sometimes struggle daily to turn my future over to God. This even touches back on the topic of my second episode. I have often let the opinions of others dictate what I do in my life. Certain members of my family have made a big deal over the fact that I'm still unmarried. Now, to be fair, they are from a different generation where everyone was married by 20, or at the very least by 25. But the fact still remains that their words and questions have played a role in how I've handled my singleness. I've often thought, but I have a degree, and now I have my master's. I have served in church in some capacity since I was a teen. I've been able to travel some, but none of these things were seen as an accomplishment in their eyes. It all came back to the lack of ring on my finger. In turn, that made me feel like nothing I was doing was right, that I had made the wrong choices, that maybe one of my old love interests really could have been my husband, but I was too busy doing these other things to notice. Now, before I continue too far down this rabbit trail, let me tell you how I'm trying to unravel all of these lies and the things that they've done. Number one, I'm being more open about how I'm feeling about being single. Number two, when thoughts like the ones that I've mentioned before come up, I try and turn to prayer. Number three, I tell myself out loud to stop listening to this lie because it's not of God. Number four, I read my Bible. Number five, I talk to a friend or two about it. 
Six, I remind myself that my path is different than everyone else's. Seven, I tell myself that I am proud of the fact that I have my degree and that I've been able to travel. Eight, I remind myself that my feelings on this topic are valid, but I need to not let these emotions keep me from following God. Now, I'm not saying by any means that any given day I do all of these things. Sometimes I'll pray and then two minutes later I'll be sitting somewhere completely wrapped up in my own head and my thoughts. Other times I'll be good for a few hours and then someone will say something that will cause me to slip right back into self-doubt and even self-loathing. But this is a beauty and a curse of being an imperfect human, am I right? We might not ever understand God's timing, his reasoning behind things like maybe somebody dying or just the timing of when a relationship starts or when a relationship ends. But it's a good thing to remember that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Faith requires action. We can't just sit by and wait for someone to come knocking on our door. We have to step out of our comfort zones and try If we aren't actively seeking friendships, we're frankly wasting time. Think of Ruth. She left her country of origin. She sought godly counsel from Naomi regarding Boaz. And then she acted. Rahab stepped out in faith and helped Joshua's men escape. Let's not forget that these two women were in the bloodline of Christ. Guys, I haven't forgotten about you. Jacob worked 14 years to have Rachel. The Bible is full of stories of believers acting out their faith. They weren't perfect by any means, but they believed, they acted, and they received their blessings in due time. If any of this has struck a chord with you, please let me know. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about why I think it is that we crave relationships. This epiphany actually goes back about eight years. So join me next week as we talk about it, and I hope you have a blessed day.